Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Shores. Just our weekly time to say thank you for listening. We really appreciate all of you out there. Um, please come find us online. Yeah. Matt's got some cool little qu- quotes on uh, Instagram. So they actually speak to you, which is awesome. Trying to make content. Y'all. <laughs> totally. All right. Come follow us, guys. Instagram. Here we go. Bye. It comes like a fleeting memory. Whatever you, Whatever you grab, grab just turns to dust. dust. Like eye contact with a stranger, stranger out of credit. All right. All right. Welcome to the shore. To the shores. Woo. Cheers. Cheers. Mm. That first today, wonderful sip. The first wonderful sip. <laughs> I feel like today's a special day. Oh, really? What's up? Well, <laughs> like, what's going on? <laughs> we woke up and it was like a new season had come. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's so beautiful. It's more as cool. If you don't know Austin, it's like it's hot as balls for quite a few months. And then all of a sudden you get this amazing breeze. This cool front comes in. Uh-huh. And then it was like a full moon last night or two nights ago. Mm-hmm. So it just felt like shifting us into a new season. Yeah. I definitely feel it in my body, just Mm -hmm. sort of like relaxing, like, ah, ah, I almost look forward to this time. It's like, I love the summer for this very reason. And that when I know when fall hits, I just sort of like, go, ah, yes. Yeah. I love this. Well, I think it's interesting that, um, there's something about like the length of the seasons. Maybe it's just because we're evolved to them, but I tend to have that at the end of every season or maybe twice a year since we really only have two seasons in (laughs) Texas. (laughs) Well, you three. Know, by it's, the end of one, by the end of this one, I'll uh-huh. be ready for the heat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'll kind of sigh into that, lean into that. For sure. Yeah. That's the truth. But it does feel good. It feels like a time for pants, mm-hmm. a time for books. Yeah. Hot toddies, fires. Whiskey. Whiskey. <laughs> always. Always. And um, I don't know, maybe just a time for being a bit more introspective, turning our thoughts um to some new things, some different things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's, uh, I think I'm ready for that. I think we've kind of like, uh, yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see what this new sort of season brings as far as our conversation goes. I mm-hmm. think, I think our last episode was kind of, I had to go back and listen to it cause I wasn't sure exactly what we said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was interesting. It was, uh, there's a lot of nuance there. So I think if, if you, if you don't walk away with that, then I kind of feel like you didn't really listen to it <laughs> as far as like, I don't know, we kind of worked through and struggled through a lot of things and, and still are thinking about like a lot of things that's happening to us in the world. And, you know, a lot of it comes back to, it's like, we're, we're looking for many people to be honest with us, especially our leaders, you know, mm. and, to maybe even say, Hey, we don't know this, or I believe we're 70% sure of this, you know? And I don't, it's, it's just really hard. I think that's the thing. It's just so confusing right now. We don't know what to You either have to be a full believer and there's no room for skepticism mm-hmm. or you're not included in, in the, in the mainstream, you know, or in the, well, it seems like culturally we're always looking for the next thing that you have to be black or white about. Yeah. <clears throat> you yeah. know, cause for a while it was COVID and it was lockdowns and masks. 
and then we kind of got to a point where that wasn't sustaining us. It wasn't quite as important. And then it was about racism for a while. And mm-hmm. that kind of died down a little bit. And then now it's about vaccines and that's going to die down a bit. And there's going to be something else new that's mm-hmm. going to you know, usher in that our attention is going to, to move to. I mean, just even to be kind of maybe Orwellian, if that's the right word, um, it's like you almost have to keep the masses occupied with some with some constant threat, you know? If it's not the Cold War, it's Vietnam. If it's not, you know, it's uh, Iraq War. It's like there has to be something that captures our imagination. But it's never in a positive way. It's like, oh, look how wonderful, you know, these things are over, you know, a period of time. It doesn't seem like we're really captured by well, doesn't, how um, wonderful something is. Doesn't Peterson say that negative emotion is felt more strongly than positive emotion? Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense, though. I believe he, he said that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and to your point about sort of keeping the masses uh, sated, mm-hmm. does that have to be a top-down thing, or do you think that there's something about culture itself which demands that? Hmm. I think it's both. Like honestly. It feels kind of like we self-organize into that. We do. I think there's also like... Uh, politicians and and maybe the top down part is the top part might not be actually might not actually believe it but they're but they're sensing or they believe that the masses um well shit i don't know like almost like it'll give them more popularity if they spouse these beliefs. Like you, if, if you're running for office, you, right. you survey your, your constituency. Okay. Most people are going to want this or believe this or have this. So if I speak to my constituency in this way, then it's most likely I will get the votes. Right. And so some of it's like hedging your bets. You know, I think you saw Kamala and Biden hedging their bets on the, um, a lot of the racism issues and systemic, uh, systemic racism, uh, you know, a lot, a lot, there was a lot of hedging in that, in that way, you know, um, also you saw it with vaccines, uh, you know, you sent me some tweets about this, which is hilarious. I was, I was also looking at these where, you know, people were saying one thing about the vaccines when Trump was in office and then the complete opposite mm-hmm. with Biden. Right. And it just seems that it's almost as if it doesn't have anything to do with truth yeah. and only to do with uh-huh. Political narrative. Uh huh. Yeah. Or with my social group, you know, it's like, right. What's the popular thing to be pushing right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely see that with, you know, Biden, you know, just whispering, get vaccinated. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's so hilarious when he does that. I feel like he gets creepier all the time. Uh huh. Yeah. I saw something with him and Boris Yeltsin or Johnson. Oh, yeah. Uh, Boris Johnson. Johnson. Yeah. It's like, the interview was cut short and it was like, was he falling asleep again or what was that about? But I don't want to get into that stuff. Right. Um, yeah. It's like right now Biden is good. It's like what happens when Biden is no longer good? It's like, he's just going to get eaten alive. Well, it just makes me ask the question, like what is true? I think we all want to know what is true, but, but what does it mean for something to be true? And do we really want to know the truth Hmm. or do we, do we want to know, 
do we want to know something that keeps the structure of our lives moving nicely? I would think that for sure. Like we want, we want something that definitely agrees with us and that will continue to keep the walls that we've erected around us secure. Right. What's well, it's, it's necessary, right? Mm-hmm. But it feels to me like we've gotten to a place. So using the vaccines, for example, I was thinking this was before, uh, the FDA approved the Pfizer vaccine. And mm-hmm. I thought we've come to a point in the narrative and so many people have bought into it mm-hmm. that the question of whether or not the vaccines should be pro- uh, approved by the FDA can only be answered one way right now. Because for, if for the FDA, if the FDA had found this vaccine, we can't approve this. Mm-hmm. The consequences of that would be more damaging to the structure of most people's reality than just simply approving it and moving along mm-hmm. and, and dealing with, with whatever fallout consequences may come. Mm-hmm. Like there's a point at which when your life is built around something um, and integrated into a truth and sort of scare quotes around that, that if what turns out, if that truth turns out not to be true, you almost can't accept it because it would destroy too many other things. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yes. it, it feels like a lot of our narratives have reached that sort of fever pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw that with the Russia gate stuff, you know, like, uh, it's just like, we can't prove anything, but maybe if we scream loud enough, it'll just, it'll, it'll remain, it'll be, it'll remain true. You yeah. Know? Right. Well, and how is it that, you know, I was reading some, I, I, I'm not going to be able to quote exact numbers, but some, some st- polling statistics about like how deadly people think coronavirus is mm-hmm. and people are off by like many orders of oh, magnitude. Yeah. Yeah. Like we're 18 months in, this has been the most important thing in the world. Mm-hmm. And most people don't know or the, and they're wildly wrong. Mm-hmm. How is that? I mean, do you, do you remember what that was uh, specifically or? Um, what they're wrong about. Yeah. It was like, um, it was about, uh, death rates. Mm -hmm. So, you know, some people thought the death rate was 20%. Oh, that's right. Yeah. 30%. Uh The same thing holds with, um, with the sort of post George Floyd, black lives matter. Um, Oh yeah. Cops shooting unarmed black individuals. Mm -hmm. You pull people and say how many, black men are killed unarmed by the cops every year. And people will say 20,000 and not even realizing how absolutely insane that would be. If that was true, mm-hmm. like that would be basically a genocide. Yeah. You know, the number is actually like 17. 17. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so wrong. It it's unbelievable. Yeah. So when, when you have two things that have been as, paramount in our cultural narrative over the last 18 months. How is it that so many people just don't know what the truth is at all? Yeah. And you feel like it'd be easy to report that, you know, but again, it's like, what narrative are you pushing? It's like, even, you know, we've talked about like how many children have died from COVID, you know, it's like, it's less than the flu, like under 18. Less than the flu traditionally, although the flu 
didn't exist for the last 18 months statistically. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> I think over the last 18 months, twice as many kids have died of pneumonia mm-hmm. as of when it's hard, you have to be careful with your words. Um, twice as many kids have died of pneumonia as kids have died after having a positive COVID test. Mm. And somehow we don't report that. You only have very fringe people talking about that. Yeah. Because it upsets the structure of reality so much to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Because to, to accept that means all of these things that we're doing in our schools, let's say, are no longer justified. Mm-hmm. But how do you stop well, I think that's the hard thing is, is like, it's again, you start moving the goalpost or shifting the narrative to where it's not about the kids. It's about them going home to their parents and their elderly. And also it shifts the focus off of how we're treating our kids and what we're requiring of them. You know, again, mm-hmm. again you always see like the, the kind of the worst things on Twitter and stuff like that. But the mother who had the, the, two-year-old that had asthma on the airplane, on the airplane. got kicked yeah, off you know it's like and obviously it's like you know on whatever whatever side you're on everyone's always posting whatever the worst part of mm-hmm. whatever you believe is on there but right. um but that is kind of i mean that's i think most of us kind of know that that's kind of the the case am i, am I doing the same exact thing <laughs> well yeah so confirmation bias is super mm-hmm. um prevalent I, you can't really escape it actually i we listened to who was that poker lady? Oh yeah. Talking about how the smarter you are, the more susceptible you are to confirmation bias because the better you are at slicing the data in your own favor. Mm-hmm. So you kind of, you kind of can't outsmart it even. Yeah. Um, you know, and we have, I think extensively made the point on this podcast that, Narrative is absolutely essential. Mm-hmm. It's it's a, a well. We're embedded in we're embedded in it mm-hmm. by necessity because of our consciousness, mm-hmm. because of our awareness of the future. We live in a story because that because <coughs> that story well because we have a future. We imagine ourselves into the future, and so we are necessarily a part of a story. Mm-hmm. Confirmation bias helps us execute that story successfully um, without making too many sort of like errant mistakes, trying too many things. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then we've made the point that when, so yes, we need, we live in narrative. We must have narrative. There is some idea of reality, which isn't narrative. And those things generally operate closely together, hopefully somewhat in parallel, but those can diverge. Mm -hmm. Um, it's like, I think last summer we talked about that. Mm-hmm. And when those diverge far enough, that's, there's a, a chance for a snapback and, and that's going to destroy something of reality or something of the narrative. And I think that's kind of what I'm referring to here is that, well, what does it mean for something to be true? And are we even interested in, in knowing the truth? If the consequence of knowing the truth is going to be catastrophic destruction of either our narrative or the reality on which we depend well, even you saw this with uh, Joy Reid. Um, with uh, I even forgot who this lady was, but she was murdered by her boyfriend, possibly. And you know, it's like, you know, why is the media so captivated with this white girl? And it's like, well, Joy Reid has a 
has a platform to actually address these things and she's not doing it. Mm-hmm. So what makes her any different from the rest of the media? You know, I think there's, there's things that we just, we want, we want to continue to feed the narrative that something is happening And we only look for those things that confirm that bias towards whatever narrative that is that we that we believe that we're looking for. That we're looking for. Yeah. So what happens when information comes in which threatens the narrative? Mm-hmm. Well, it's like we we either have to double down mm-hmm. or we can accept that new information with humility and reevaluate our stance. Yeah. Uh, I mean, one side there's. I think the public doesn't give, doesn't allow people to really reevaluate their past beliefs. You know, I mean, you hear this all the time. It's like, well, it's science has changed. And so they're changing their, their stance. And that's the thing that, 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 that kind of drives me a little bit crazy because there's so much gaslighting in that if it if it fits your narrative then you're willing to extend the grace of like well the science is updated therefore they're changing their view you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. or if it doesn't fit your narrative then you just basically say that you know they're lying or they were a liar or or whatever it might be you know it's like you you either ad hominem attack mm-hmm. the messenger or i think what seems to be fairly popular these days is to discredit the science and say mm-hmm. well it wasn't good science the mm-hmm. The study was flawed. It wasn't the right kind of study. Yeah. It's not good evidence. Mm-hmm. But I mean, again, as we're talking about this now, I'm, I'm, I'm almost even more confused about like, like, what are we looking for? Like, what is it that we need? What is it that we need to move forward? Like what, what's the messaging that, that would actually be helpful and true and honest? Like, mm-hmm that seems a very difficult road to walk. It's like at some point you have to be able to state the things that at this moment, here's what we understand at this moment. We don't understand these things. And so we're going to conclude this. However, at any moment, this could change. Hmm. I mean, I feel like, I guess two correctives occurred to me when you said that one is it it seems like we need people to feel empowered to go out into the world and live their life as they wish to live their life. Mm -hmm. This is almost the idea of, of of the rebels in our, our last conversation Mm -hmm. and how that sort of equates to the free market. Um, you know, my own personal antidote to, antidote to that is <clears throat> like I haven't worn a mask um, since the mask mandate was lifted in Texas. There are still places that s- ask you to wear a mask or even say masks required. Mm-hmm. I have not worn a mask in those places. This has not been a problem. No one has complained. No one has given me evil eyes. Mm-hmm. People smile. Well, I smile. I can tell from their eyes that they smile. <clears throat> they converse with me just like they would normally. So, okay. What does it go? What does it mean for something to be true? Um, well, 
we must wear masks because masks are keeping us safe. You know, what, is, what does that mean for that to be true? You can only answer that scientifically. But there's another way to answer that question. We must wear masks, masks keep us safe. Well, I can test it by walking into a place and not wearing a mask. And nobody seems to mind. Nobody feels less safe. Okay, so what's true there? Is, is what's true what you observe in the world via interacting with the world? Or is what, what's true, does it exist on a journal in a publication somewhere? But I feel like the more people who live their life the way that they want to live their life, and that, that means <clears throat> doing what you want to do, but also doing it and come by it, coming by it honestly. You know, if I went into these establishments and I was met with pushback or I was met with um, people feeling obviously unsafe, I, I wouldn't continue to do that because you have to live your life in a social context. And so you're going, your behavior is going to be shaped and modified by the reactions you have in society at large. And I think, I think we need people to go sort of start testing that. And you're going to have an, an organic reshaping of what we what we believe and what we believe will be evident by how we act. Hmm. Um, so I think that that's a corrective. So if you were to actually get COVID, do you think that would change your perspective on that? Or maybe you already have, I don't know. You know? Um, like change my perspective on masks. Mm -hmm. No, I don't, I don't think that it would. Yeah. You know, and I don't exactly mean this to, to be specifically about masks. That was just an example. Totally, totally. Um, to so me, I, I just, just to push back on that idea, sort of like, so even if you don't believe that masks are helpful or keep people safe, you know, um, and let's just say they are 99% effective and helpful. You know, so it doesn't really matter what you believe or experience in the world around you. The fact is still that they are keep everyone 99% safe. So it's like, so like, so something's challenging would be challenging that belief, which is, which is call it in this case facts, you know? So like, I might believe that everybody is, um, this is a simulation and everybody's a figment of my imagination. And, uh, and the, no one, no one is actually a real person. It's just a, it's just an assimilation that I'm in, you know, so I would act differently in that scenario than I would if each person was an individual that had, um, autonomy and that my actions actually truly affect somebody else. And, so if I don't, if I don't, if I walk into a situation or go into like, I mean, again, masks are great because this is so contentious, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, like some people believe like, you know, uh, if you come into a room and you're a thousand feet apart that if you don't have a mask on, you know, you could kill somebody or mm -hmm. you see people driving in their cars with their masks on, you know, it's like mm -hmm. you're in your car, you don't need to wear your mask. Right. Like that's, that's fairly obvious, but it's almost as if like you're riding your bike and you might like go through a cloud of COVID and you're going to get infected, you know? So, 
So it's like what you believe about the world and how you interact with it. Like if you're on a bicycle and you're wearing a mask, it's like, you, do you believe that COVID's just rampantly around you, even on a bicycle with nobody around? And so, you know, other than like, if you're in a room full of people, like there's, there might be a, a something different about that. Does it make sense? Mm-hmm. So, so I think it's like what we believe versus what is true sometimes comes into conflict or a lot of times comes into conflict. And I think we see that with specifically with the example of masks. Well, but I don't think it's exactly an either or mm-hmm. what we believe versus what is true. Hmm. I mean, it's also, there are other things that follow. So the, the proposition, let's say that nine, the masks are 99% effective. Well, mm-hmm. at, at what? Hmm. So that's the first question. <laughs> totally. And that's not exactly a, you know, easy one to answer, mm-hmm. even propositionally um, or theoretically. But let's just say there's some, there's clear benefit, 99% benefit. Okay. At what cost? Hmm. And how do we know if we're willing to pay the cost for that benefit? Hmm. Um, you know, we've been living in a world in which we have outsourced that decision to, well, I think largely the media. Um, but how do we know if we're willing to pay the cost to receive the benefit? And my suggestion is, well, you can check, you can go see, Mm -hmm. you know, like I can walk into a coffee shop that says mask up and I don't, and everybody is completely fine. That tells me that, well, the people wearing masks believe that there is a benefit and that they aren't willing to pay the cost for that benefit. Mm -hmm. That there is something, there is also a benefit to allowing people to behave as they wish. Mm -hmm. There's also a benefit to seeing someone's face. And how do you weigh one against the other? And my suggestion is that science can't exactly tell us this. Polls can't tell us this. But going out and living life, society is going to push back in the places where it believes that there's something wrong with the cost-benefit analysis. Yeah. And that is constantly going on. Um, you know, it's kind of like price signals in the market. You know, communism failed, uh, you know, in, in least, at least in part because there was no market. And so price signals were destroyed. And so they basically had to create a branch of the government to set the prices for everything. Hmm. And they couldn't do it. It's too difficult a job. You need everybody participating in that simultaneously. And I think to figure out where we stand as a society on a cost-benefit analysis for something like wearing masks, you can't mandate that from the top. You have to, you have to allow each and every interaction to help shape that as we move forward. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that, you know, again, a pushback to that would be that that's great, but that is way too risky for us to, to undertake. Well, you know? right. But according to who? Well, I, 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 in this situation, it'd be the science, you know, <laughs> sorry, I had to use it. Right. Well, um, the science is dubious at best. Yeah. Um, 
that's my own personal contention as it comes as it as it goes to covid masking and vaccines mm-hmm. and we all very much wish to believe that there is such a thing as settled science which there is not such a thing yeah we also wish to believe that science is telling us the right thing to do um which isn't what science does science at its best should describe what we know of about reality mm-hmm. that doesn't tell you what to do science can't do a cost benefit analysis mm-hmm. yeah yeah because that's different for each individual mm-hmm. like what what's what, what what risk am i willing to take right in this situation it makes you think of like a there's a Feynman quote that's always going around about how you know uh about being like a good scientist is like actually good scientists question other scientists mm-hmm. and actually ridicule other scientists like what do you believe? How is that? I don't understand how you got to that information. Show me the data. Okay. What are these probabilities? Right. You know, what are they related to? And I think that's a lot of the, a lot of us just don't have time to do that sort of rigorous analysis. And so we depend on the science or the scientists to tell us what to do. Like we got, got, we talked about that in our last episode, maybe in the last few episodes is like, like we do depend on our institutions to help us to figure out what is what is uh, beneficial for us to interact with each other and in society. And in this case, like with COVID, it's sort of like, you know, there's masks, six feet distance, get vaccinated, and that that should cover us. And, you know, from what the little bit that I understand about the vaccines is that there that there is some benefit but we also have not truly gotten into, you know, what is the, what's the adverse effects of, of these, of these vaccines and what are they actually doing? But now we're getting into vaccines again. <laughs> we didn't want to go there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> well, maybe we can, we can try to re re grab the thread of, um, you know, if we are, if we are operating in such a way that truth is dangerous to us, mm-hmm. if it turns out that what we want to be true isn't, and we can't allow what we want to be true, not to be true because it would be too damaging. Mm-hmm. How do we correct for that? And I think that's, that was why I said my suggestion is that I think you have to correct for that on an individual level. You don't correct from that. You don't correct that with a policy. You don't correct that with new science. Mm -hmm. You, you correct that slowly by people living life and interacting with one another and figuring out what is true. And this isn't a science experiment to decide if masks work. It's that whether or not masks work is not the only important piece of information. Mm -hmm. There's a bunch of other information there is a cost there is um there's risk there's benefit there's um all sorts of things going on and the proper way to move forward isn't to scientifically test each one of these things and then do some sort of you know like spreadsheet analysis on how you're supposed to live your life no i think we flourish as human beings when we go out into the world and live our life and you know suffer consequences for that mm-hmm. and and also suffer massive benefit, whether that's just 
the smile from somebody across the register, which changes your whole day because mm -hmm. it was genuine and changes the way that you interact with everything else. Or maybe it's that you get sick. Mm -hmm. You know, somebody loses a family member. All of these things shape the way that we interact with one another. Yeah. But you have to, you have to interact with one another in the first place. Um, you know, it's like, it's this question of, well, how important is safety generally? You know, what was it? Mike Rowe says safety third. Yeah, totally. <laughs> which I love. Uh -huh, I do too. You know, because all, we've got all of our institutions now, you know, restaurants saying, yeah, your safety is our first priority. And I think I don't want my safety to be your first priority. Mm -hmm. I want you cooking me delicious food and pleasing me to be my first priority, your mm -hmm. first priority. Now, obviously safety doesn't, shouldn't be 10th or 20th yeah. because then the risk of enjoying your good food is too high for me. Mm -hmm. But I like Mike Rose idea, safety third. It's like, yeah, safety is important, but it's not as important as giving you value. Mm -hmm. You know, we can't, we, we won't live meaningful or enjoyable lives if safety is our first priority. Mm. And that's going to have, that will change. Well, you see that in, in child rearing, you know, it's like if safety is your, is your main priority for your kids. It's like, Oh, gonna, right. You raise fucked up kids. Yeah. <laughs> that was the, that was the, that was a scientific. Uh, <laughs> it's just true. I mean, there's so many studies. It's not, I don't think this is something that's contentious. It's like, yeah, kids don't learn to take risks, to get out, scuff their knees, to cry, to, to be able to, um, work out disputes without a parent involved, you know, yeah. and mitigating. It's like, if that happens and they're always looking for some authority to come in and solve their problems, it's like, no, it's like you have to learn to be an individual and solve your problems and take responsibility. Hmm. And so safety is not the most important thing that a parent needs to provide for their kid. You right. Know? Well, and even like if you helicopter your parent, your kid too much, to protect them from hurting themselves. They grow up and they don't know how to not hurt themselves. And then when they do, mm. they get hurt much worse. Mm -hmm. Like you want your kids to hurt themselves when hurting themselves isn't life or death because yeah. they're so resilient and they weigh nothing. And it's like, you know, they can bounce back Yeah. by the time you're an adult, you know, like a, a broken leg is a major ordeal. Mm-hmm. Or even heartache, you know, it's like when you're a kid and you break, you have a boyfriend or girlfriend and you mm -hmm. break up mm -hmm. and it's like, oh, okay. And then, you know, if there's a lot, there's a more of a bounce back, but as you get older, you know, it's like, you know, it, there's a lot more involved and a lot more <laughs> at stake than <laughs> just like Johnny doesn't like me or, right. or Brittany was mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like definitely having, being able to safety not being prim primary is so important for child rearing so that as you get older that you can actually face the uncertainty of the world and, yeah. and take risks. Well, and I think risks are, we've talked about that. Risks are so important for meaning making. Mm. Risks are important for movement forward and important for growth, mm -hmm. necessary for growth. And so if you dial your safety up so high that you're can't take any risks. Well, you can't grow and you can't change. And unless you're perfectly happy the way that you are and the way that things are, 
that should be something you should be not interested in. I mean, this is just another Kafka trap. Like, if you don't wear masks, then you're going to kill people. It's like there's no in-between as far as, like, what... I don't know. I don't know if it is a Kafka trap, but it just I, as we're talking about all these things, I just feel like there's a sort of. I mean, a Kafka trap is more of an accusation framed in such a way that you that I can I can um, I can find you guilty whether you admit or deny the accusation. Mm-hmm. Both are evidence of your guilt. Yeah, which I, I find that. Uh, would you say that that's also the case with masks? It doesn't seem that way to me. But, but, uh, make the, make the argument. Well, like, you know, basically like if you don't wear a mask, then you're putting everybody at risk. If you, and then if you do wear a mask, mm-hmm. then you're, what? you're keeping people safe yourself and others. No, that's not a coffee trap. That's not a coffee trap. No. no. Well, there you have it. <laughs> that's, that's just a, well, what's well, a binary, I guess, is, is that that's that would. It's, yeah, it's like one or the other. Well, and like we said mm-hmm. earlier, the, the world we live in, we're obsessed with everything being a binary. Everything's black and white. It's mm-hmm. either this or that. There's yeah. no in between. There's no confounding variables. There's no, um, you know, and, and then once you've established the binary, everything falls into the binary, which I think is why you see so many seemingly hypocritical stances mm-hmm. like your point earlier about you know a lot of people saying that they would never take the vaccine because trump was involved in it to you know being massive vaccine advocates and it seems like they've switched their position mm-hmm. and i don't think it's exactly that they have switched their position i think that it's a constant reorganizing of everything around a single binary oh, I see. and that single binary is that you're either on the right side or the wrong side of everything mm-hmm and so I'm not sure how to make that argument uh, more, but well, I think the one part of that too is like, you know, a lot of people that are actually pro vaccine are being called vaccine, uh, anti-vaxxers just because they're hesitant about this specific vaccine. So it's like, you're either for the, for the vaccination or you're either for vaccines or you're for this specific vaccine or you're an anti-vaxxer, which is, just not the it's just not the case it's like you right. might have skepticism towards this uh, vaccine i think of your tweets that you wrote it's like i'm willing to change my mind and i'm not against vaccines but i'm just really concerned about this specific vaccine mm-hmm. and and how that is uh how that impacts me and my health it's like i'd rather i would rather assume the risk of covid than assume the risks that are unknown with mm-hmm. the vaccine mm-hmm. And to me, in my mind, that makes a lot of sense. And I'm like, cool, I might get vaccinated and you might not, but I understand and I respect that choice. And, but it doesn't seem like we can as a society or have been willing to allow that discretion of the individual. Have you seen people online referring to themselves, uh, not having been vaccinated as pure bloods. Oh no. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> so if you get vaccinated, I'm sorry that we can't hang out because I only hang out with pure bloods. Pure bloods. <laughs> uh, all this talk is, I mean, there's, there's something that's hilarious about it. And yeah. there's also something that's just so I think wh- not okay. Totally. And I think one of the things that we're suffering from is the memification of reality. Mm. Everything becomes a meme. 
Everything becomes a joke. Everything is an opportunity for potential overnight social media micro success, oh. micro celebrity status, you know? Mm -hmm. So we're all trying to meme everything rather than, you know, even the science. Yeah. You know, that's become a meme. Mm -hmm. Just, you know it because of the way that I said it. <laughs> I know. You know? Um, when I think that what's true is just, what's true is so much bigger. What, well, what's true is outside of science. Science is nested within a greater context. Mm -hmm. And maybe I can try to make the point that that greater context is, is our lives. Like it's, it's how we interact with one another. It's what that ends up meaning to us. Mm -hmm. You know, what does it mean to me that I go to my coffee shop without a mask on, even though there's a sign at the door saying I should wear one. Mm -hmm. And the barista talks to me just like a normal interaction. That means a lot to me. Mm -hmm. I feel accepted. I feel like I can live my life in my own neighborhood and not have to be bullied into doing something I don't want to do. Mm -hmm. I appreciate that. To me, I'm worth risking something for that. Mm -hmm. It's worth risking something for that. You know, what does it mean to the barista? I don't know. He's doing, maybe even unconsciously, but he's doing some amount of analysis of this situation. Yeah. And clearly it's fine with him. Mm -hmm. So what's true? To me, what's true is that interaction. And it's informed by things that we know from science. Mm-hmm. But what's true is how we interact in the world. Yeah. I don't know. I just see, I see a lot of pushback to that. And I don't, I, I think I'm having a little bit of a problem with it. I don't know exactly where it's at. Because I, I think in one ear, I hear the narrative of, of like people might say like, hey, well, that person should actually correct you and tell you to wear a mask and to follow the rules because you're going to kill people if you don't, if you don't do that. It's like, oh, you're being selfish in this and you're expecting from me to have a positive reaction to you as an individual. When I see, I clearly see that, that you don't care because you are not wearing a mask. You're not signaling to me by not, by not wearing a mask or you're signaling to me by not wearing a mask that you don't care about people or you don't care about those who are vulnerable, you know? So there's that, there's that part that I could hear people pushing against that saying, no, actually that Brisa should stand up to you and correct you. Okay. So, so you're right. You can make that case. Mm -hmm. The barista should stand up to me and correct me. Well, why isn't he? Mm -hmm. That's a really good question. I, it's either that he doesn't want to mm -hmm. or he's unable to be honest. Yeah. And you can go two different directions with that. I mean, mm -hmm. so, so if he doesn't want to, then I'm glad that he's not, mm -hmm. if he's not being honest, well then why is that? Mm -hmm. And who else is being dishonest in their behaviors? And this, this is back to my, I think my call to people to go live honestly in the world. Mm-hmm that's how you're going to find out what's true. Mm -hmm. And the alternative, right? When it comes to safety, um, the alternative argument that you just gave me is, well, 
science, or rather representative of, representatives of science, are going to tell us what's true and tell us to live by those rules. Um, does anyone truly want to live that way? Honestly. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think there are some, yes. Mm -hmm. But I think most people don't honestly want to live that way. I think that they're not willing to honestly say that they don't want that. Okay, I got you. Because they're... Because once you, once you issue a public policy passed down by representatives of the science, it's not just science at that point, and it's not just a policy at that point. It is a societal moral line, mm -hmm. and no one wants to cross the moral line because they don't want society to judge them as immoral. Mm -hmm. And that's the same force that would probably make me change the places I don't wear a mask. Mm -hmm. If society judged me as immoral, that would be a huge incentive for me to be like, well, I don't want to do that. That's fascinating. So I think in, in a, I am not willing for representatives of science or representatives of government to tell me what's moral and what's immoral. Mm -hmm. I am absolutely willing for the barista to tell me that. That's fascinating. I'm absolutely willing for you or mm -hmm. the people walking down the sidewalk that I interact with or whatever society community. Mm -hmm. That's where we work out what is moral and what's immoral. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. It almost becomes less about science and more about this. this <laughs> uh, it's, it's more about, you know, the relational aspect of how we interact in the world and the risks that we're willing to take mm -hmm. and risk assessment, risk assessment that each one of us do, um, as we interact in the world. Right. Well, you can take the same concept that we talked about earlier with risk in children and mm -hmm. how, you know, being a helicopter parent is, is fairly obviously not good for child development. Yeah. Um, you know, and if you, if you argue that it is, then you, you create children who, once you're no longer their authority, are in need of another authority. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, they will hurt themselves catastrophically. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so you could pass that on to the school and pass that school on to the next school and then that school onto a job and that job into the government itself. And does anybody truly want to live constantly under the protection and imposed safety of authority? <laughs> today i would say yes <laughs> well or it seems people way. behave as if they do mm -hmm. but if but i mean if you imagine living that way and you 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 take that to its logical conclusion mm -hmm. there is nothing which you are either allowed or that is not either allowed or disallowed you, you must do everything. We must micromanage everything down, mm -hmm. not only to a safety level, but to a moral level. Mm. And those two things will become conflated. They have to. Otherwise, you can't get compliance. Yeah. Well, this definitely gets into a, a sticky area. It's because, you know, I, I feel like there there is definitely... And again, it might be just that there's like a vocal minority that almost want that, that sort of like the government to take care of us, to tell us what to do. 
rather than allowing us, like sort of giving us our options of risk and say, hey, okay, as you go into the world, here's your options of risk. This has, this may mitigate that risk to some degree. If you do this, let's say wear a mask, it might mitigate some of the risk percentage if you get vaccinated. You know, it's like, you know, they're, they're sort of like, they're giving you the information for you then to go out into the world and, and mitigate your own risk rather than top down enforcement as far as like what you must do. Mm -hmm. And here's a risk that you, that is acceptable. And here's a risk that's unacceptable, which is very black and white and binary. And that's something that it doesn't fit all scenarios, you know? So yeah, I don't know where that, where that goes, but yeah. Well, I just, this is just so frustrating for me because it's like I have I have so many different narratives going on in my head right now with this. Mm-hmm. It just drives me crazy because right. like I hear the safety narrative, right. I hear the sort of the liberty narrative, and I hear the in between, and it's just so frustrating that 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 we can't really be honest with you know, what is, what is, what we understand where we're at. You know, I think that's like, again, at the very beginning of the pandemic, like we talked in the last episode, it's like, it's like, yeah, we didn't know what the fuck was going on. (laughs) And we're all just like, okay, whatever, you know, it's like, let's do that. And now as we've seen this starting to play out and we're starting to see patterns of like variants and, and we act as if we can, we can get rid of this. Mm -hmm. And it's like, guys, we can't get rid of this. Well, and also what you just said make me, made me think. And you said the safe, there's so many narratives that you can hear coming in. The safety narrative, the, the liberty narrative, mm-hmm. um, the left-leaning narrative, the right-leaning narrative. You know, mm-hmm. We could enumerate. But I don't think that there is a correct narrative. Mm-mm. Not for everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone has a different narrative. Yeah. And every community has a different narrative in every city. Um, and that's informed by a ton of different things. You know, for instance, like seasons changing right now, we're about to start living our lives a little bit differently, mm-hmm. but I say a little bit because we live in Texas. Yeah. You know, people up in Minnesota are about to live their lives a lot differently. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the narrative that applies to us doesn't imply to them, even sort of scientifically and empirically. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, maybe perhaps partly because of the internet and partly because of the way that our government has changed over the last couple of decades, I think we, we all sort of operate from this unspoken assumption that what's true for anyone is true for everyone. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's that we need to choose between narratives we have to work out what the proper narrative is starting at an individual level. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that we can look to authorities to dictate that in a way that's going to generate a life that any of us would describe as worth living. Well, again, I mean, authorities should inform that like they should yes. provide their, their specific expertise. But again, it's like, 
as in most of academia, it's like, it's like everyone is so specialized nowadays. They don't have the full picture. You know, it's like, you know, like all the different factors that go into, you know, why you should marry somebody or something like that. It's like, it's not just as simple as like, okay, this person is financially stable. Therefore you should marry them. It's like, well, I don't love them, you know, or, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> they're, they're 80 years old and I'm not, I'm not going to marry that person. You know, it's like, <laughs> and I'm 20, I'm 20. Exactly. Uh, so it's, it, I think there's, once we get to those univariate analysis, you know, just one variable, it's like, and I feel like that's kind of a lot of the stuff that we're experiencing now. It's, it's just, um, I think it just kind of falls apart as far as like, um, I feel like Joe Biden right now. I just lost my thought. Train of thought. <laughs> Come on, man. Come on, man. Vaccinated. <laughs> Sorry. You know me? I don't understand. Like, like I, I said, there's like, you know, as funny as Trump was and all the things you could, you could like tease out of all the funny things he said. It's like Biden has just as many of these. And it's like, yeah. I don't see as many people like, well, like just teasing falls, those out. It falls on the immoral side of the binary to, oh. to tease it. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I guess most of those aren't, aren't in. Uh, I mean, you said this before. It's like if SNL was on their game. Mm-hmm they could be striking gold right now. Totally. Yeah. Which is hilarious that they're not. I mean, there's so many good things, you know, it's like just ever so often just, Oh, for any, I think, I feel like this day and age is just gold for comedians in general. Um, there's just so many things to make fun of. Oh dude. I mean, you just had this TV personality as a president, you know, obviously they milked that for all it's worth. They probably, they took it, they got a little bit more like almost vehement a little bit in their, in their, in their uh, descriptions, but mm-hmm. obviously he gave us a lot of material lot of to fodder. poke at. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, it's like, and, and Biden, you know, it's like. Well, I feel like you have even more now, just in general mm-hmm. society. Yeah. Because what, you know, Trump was, um, he was a caricature of himself. <laughs> and then the media made him a caricature of a caricature. Oh, that's true. Yeah. But that has fed down into culture. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't know how many times of the last year I've thought, we live in the fucking hunger games now. Like watch any <laughs> uh, award show, like look at AOC at the, the Met gala. Like it's absurd. Everyone is now a caricature of a caricature of something. Hmm. It's the only way to stand out. Yeah. So there's so much to make fun of. That's so true. The amazing thing I think is that somehow culture has decided what's moral and immoral to make fun of. Hmm. And, well, that's authority. No, that's what is it? It's almost fascism. Cause I think in reality it should be the inverse. Mm-hmm. It's like we decide, we figure out what's moral and immoral by making fun of it mm-hmm. in a, you know, in a way and seeing how we feel about it. Yeah. Yeah. We said this before, but definitely comedians are the ones that if you don't feel offended at least once, then it's the comedian wasn't, that not, wasn't doing their job. I'm not a good comedian. <laughs> not yeah. a good comedian. Right. <laughs> uh, good comedy and offense go hand in hand. It does. Well, we need to be offended mm-hmm. in order to, it's kind of like risk. You don't grow without risk. You don't know yourself without offense. Mm-hmm. You got to be tested. Yeah. 
yeah, like why did that, why did that ruffle my feathers? You mm-hmm. know, it's like, you learn something about mm-hmm. yourself. Totally. Well, it's like right now, it's like, I think that's the part that's, I feel so frustrated as far as like, like for me that there, there is an objective truth in all of this, but we all have a subjective perspective of that objective reality. Like there's a truth behind what is COVID? What is the actual impact? What is all these things? Like there is some, there's, there's a foundational truth to all of this. But the thing is, is like we are, we are human and we have subjective experiences, even in the science, you know, we, we look at certain aspects of something and we don't, we can never evaluate everything. Like you can say like, you know, COVID has this impact on this certain population, but you also, that's, you're not even evaluating how that affects the whole population or even our, our children growing up and what impacts is that going to have for them not only five or 10 or 20 years down the road mm-hmm. when they enter society. It's like, it's like, what are the risk versus the protection or rewards that we're, that we're either giving up or taking on? And I think that's, that's the thing that drives me, drives me the most crazy. Cause I feel like, I feel like I, I, I see this, fairly, fairly well, you know, with a lot of caveats in that statement, (laughs) a lot of caveats, you know, and a lot of that has to do with like what we don't know and we don't understand. And I, I don't understand like why that narrative isn't pushed. Well, isn't propagated. Let me, let me push back. Okay. I'm going to be the one to push back. Do it. If there is an objective truth, mm-hmm. we don't know it. Yeah. And if we ever think we do know it, we're fools. Yes. But also, if there is an objective truth, th- its existence is meaningless. Is that where you're going to stop with that? Because I disagree with that. <laughs> <laughs> Screw with it, but I, I'll, uh, I'll finish my thought. Okay. The only meaning that it has is once we interact with it. It's meaning, well, the meaning is ours. Well, the, yeah, the meaning lies dormant unless you do interact with it. Right. But there's still objective well, truth. But, I'm, but me saying that it's meaningless doesn't deny the existence of objective truth. Mm-hmm. I think that the truest thing in life is relational. Mm-hmm. And so whatever it may be objective only ever has meaning once it enters into the story of our lives. Um, well, I would say that objective truth encapsulates relational. Cause like, it's sort of like, uh, like I can believe you're the nicest guy in the world, but if you're a mass murderer, you know, <laughs> you know, it's like, Oh, well he's nice to me. Well, yeah. He just also killed 60,000 people yesterday. Uh-huh. It's like, well, my truth, my objective, my, my relational truth is that Matt's really nice to me. <laughs> well, but that's back to the first point that I made, which mm-hmm. is that if there is objective truth, mm-hmm. we, we don't know it mm-hmm. because we will learn more of it every day. Just Mm -hmm. like you might believe it to be true that I'm the nicest person that's ever existed. You know, 
So you're a fool if you believe that's objective truth mm-hmm. because it's going to change. Mm-hmm. And then when you find out that I'm a mass murderer, you, you, you say, <laughs> well, I didn't know enough, right? Yeah. Like, I learned something new. Mm-hmm. I no longer believe that he's the nicest guy in the world. Mm-hmm. I believe that he was one of the nicest people I've ever met, but clearly that only applied to me. Mm-hmm. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> or I was next. <laughs> or I was next. And thank God that I know now and I can avoid and. But I think that that to me just proves more about objective truth. It's not. It's like it, again, I have a subjective experience of it, and that I continue to need to reevaluate these things. But that just shows me is like there's a lot of things that I don't know and I can't see, but are true, whether I whether I believe or know them right now or not. Like it, it exists outside of me. And so like the relational part or the experiential part is important in that you engage the world in that, in that, that objective truth starts to reveal itself to you. And it's a constant like unveiling of, of what that is. And it has nothing to do the, my only, my only part of that is to interact with it honestly and openly and with humility but it isn't as if there is an objective truth and the, the value in life lies in continually un- uncovering it. Learning more about it. I don't know. Well, because <clears throat> when you use your example of me, I'm either nice or a serial killer, right? You're not just simply discovering who I really am. By interacting with me, you are also changing who I am. True. So... What is objectively true about me? You can't say I'm constantly transforming. Mm-hmm. And, you know, who knows? Maybe I stop mass murdering because <laughs> of my interactions with you. Uh-huh. Okay, so now what's objectively true? Yeah. Well, in the past, I killed a bunch of people, mm-hmm. but I have been, I, I've, I have repented. Reformed. <laughs> you know, and maybe uh-huh. I did that. Well, I certainly, if I have changed, mm-hmm. which I, everyone certainly does constantly. It is as a consequence of relating in the world. Mm -hmm. So I think that's why I say, I think relationship is fundamental Hmm. and objective truth, at least as far as we can do anything with it exists within that and is changed. It's not simply revealed, but changed. And I would say actually created Hmm. by are relating with it and with each other just as I am created. It's not, it's not as if I am a thing that I am certainly growing into. It's mm-hmm. like I'm being created by means of relating with you, with my children, with my friends, my family, my job, yeah. my house, my car, my, you know, the very ground that I walk on mm-hmm. is generating me through some creative process. <clears throat> well, okay. There's something about that that really rings true to me. Um, although I'm, I'm going to kind of go for a, a pass through here. <laughs> Let's see if this, if this works, if not, I'm, I'm totally, because the relational part I see that's like how you interact in the world also changes that, um, I wouldn't even say it changes the objective truth. It, it sort of like 
it actualizes it into a greater, a greater truth. So it's like, cause it's not, it's not that you, that <laughs> I gotta get off the, like you're in a mass murder thing, but, <laughs> but it's like, because that's still objectively true that you, you were or are still a mass murder. Like that's still true. Now what you will be into the future is unknown, right? Like that could, that could change, but your past can never, your past can never be changed. But the, the future narrative interpretation of that past can be, it's like he was a mass murderer, but then he reformed. It's like COVID was this thing. And here's how we understood it at this point as this thing. And then we, uh, then we came to know it as this. And then maybe 10, 20 years down the road, we see a fuller picture. We will certainly come to see it as something different. As something different. Right. So it's like, there's, there's an objective truth that's, that's embedded in reality itself, but our, our understanding of it or how we interact with it is different. And like it, it, it I, I, well, I do, yeah. <clears throat> Even with COVID, I disagree. Mm-hmm. Because it isn't as if COVID is a eternal thing that we're, we're that we understood one way and now we understand it different way and we will understand it differently in twenty years. It's not us that changes. It is also the virus that changes. We are in relationship with the virus. The virus that is circulating now is obviously different than the virus that began circulating. And it wouldn't have changed in the way that it did had we not behaved the way that we did. Well, I mean, the objective part of it is that, you know, let's just say that we could look back or even now say that coronavirus killed these many people. It's like, like, like cancer killed somebody, you know, like that's, that's an objective fact of, you know, here's this thing that's growing in somebody and ended up killing this person. Like we wouldn't say like they got, they got hit by a car or they were lonely. And so for, therefore they die. It was actually a disease that infected somebody that led to their immune system to break down or their livers to break down, whatever it might be with, with, with whatever disease you're talking about. So, I mean, so we can say like there's an objective fact of a disease killing somebody, but there also might be other factors involved in why that specific person may have died or whatever. So it's like, so it's like, I think there is, it seems like there is a objective facts that, that, oh shit. I don't even know where I'm going with that now. Well, but that's part of my point, though, is even when it comes to sort of science, Mm -hmm. to say that there is an objective fact, meaning a piece of information or a piece of reality which exists regardless of our interaction with it, Mm -hmm. is unchanged by our interaction with it. Yeah. I'm not sure that you can, like... Well, when you're even trying to describe what reality is, it's a, mm-hmm. it's a fractal. Mm-hmm. It doesn't exactly end. I mean, even science itself, you know, has been <laughs> struggling to stop finding the smallest thing ever found mm-hmm. for years and years and years. And yeah. we always think we know what it is. And then we discover, oh, shit, that's made up of other stuff. And then, <laughs> you know, so, you know, where can you stop 
and say, this is objectively real. Okay. I, I give you that. That, that makes sense to me. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm struggling here. Because, How did we get here? By the I way, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I, I can't, I'm, I'm, I'm still seeing a both and here. Like, like, like there are like individual factors that have like major, major consequences, you know, I mean, and then there's social consequences and there's political consequences. So even though there might be something that is like here, here is the, uh, I mean, just, in, just in today's totals, it's like, you know, was it 80% of people over 65 account for most of the deaths of coronavirus? It might be, I think it's maybe 95% of over 65. I, I kind of forget, but still really high 80 to 90% of, um, deaths are over 80. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. uh, well, what it, what it, what does that attribute to? Is Corona that, is it that deadly or is it that people are old and they don't have the same protections a young person has, you know? Um, and this is a new, as this is a new virus. I mean, there's a lot of questions that come, that come up with this. Uh, I'm just saying that there are answers to those questions and it might be a complicated answer, not just that maybe it wasn't just coronavirus. Maybe it was like multiple com- com- comorbidities, you know, it's like, um, well, and that's, that's, uh, that circles nicely around to the sort of initial questions mm-hmm. of this conversation, mm-hmm. which is what does it mean for something to be true? And does it matter to us? Mm-hmm. And I think both of those things are really worth considering in depth Yeah, because it's hard. It's really hard to say that something is true Mm -hmm. because the expectation is that if I say something is true, that means it's, it's, um, it's, it's eternal. It's Mm -hmm. infallible. Mm -hmm. And and we almost never encounter truths that meet those criteria. So true, what for now, true for me, true. So we start Um, doing these things and we're immediately moving away from this idea of objectivity. Um, and then do we care if things are true? Well, yes, we do. It matters greatly but it doesn't matter so much to reality. Mm-hmm. It matters to the story that we're telling because that's informing the way that we live our lives and the way we're behaving. And that what that's what generates meaning. Mm-hmm. And so if something is true or not, in a sense, it doesn't matter unless it interacts with our lives in a positive way. And I'm not sure that there's a difference between something being true and it being a positive force, a force for good. Mm -hmm. At least not functionally. Yeah. Well, that kind of takes me in a lot of different areas. Like, okay, first of all, like, you know, when I think of truth, I kind of think of two elements of it is the subjective and the objective. It's like, you've got like, I know who I am, which is kind of a subjective today and now. And I also don't know who I am. And it's like, there's a sort of like who I am is something that is unknowable to me, but there's an objective truth that if you knew all the different elements and all the different variables that encapsulated me, like, you know, business owner, parent, husband, uh, friend, uh, you know, all the different categories you could 
categorize in and hold them all at once or something that's that's objectively true about me now whether you want to say at a time or over a lifetime or over a a millennia of all the people that hopefully (laughs) i impacted for good hopefully (laughs) over time is like who i am you know it's like but by that that's a totality but by that argument life is either deterministic or only knowable in hindsight well it's also i mean but that's the thing it's like what is true of me today like you could still do that of today looking back but you don't know me going forward that can only be determined at some point but even then you couldn't determine that because you don't know the impact that my life or your life or somebody else's have life has into the future. So that would, that would be to agree with my second point that what is objectively true can only be known in hindsight. Yeah. But not just from our perspective, not just in hindsight mm-hmm. in a hindsight, which exists outside of time. Mm-hmm. Because if you were to die today, then I could say, okay, I can finally figure out who Michael is. He stopped changing, you know? <laughs> uh, All right, I'm going to get to work mm-hmm. figuring out who you were as a businessman, who you were as a father, who you were as a friend to me versus a friend to Zargoon and mm-hmm. versus, you know, well, how much time would that take me? Yeah, totally. You can just spend the rest of your life figuring it out. <laughs> no, not just the rest of your life. Yeah, totally. Eternity. Eternity, yeah. So you have to be outside of time mm-hmm. to know such a thing. Mm-hmm. So if if there is objective truth that you you almost have to you have to subscribe to some idea of eternity for that to ever mean anything. Um, yes and no. I mean, again, you know, um I guess this is kind of like where the idea of like God comes into comes into mind as sort of like let's say outside of time there's a being that can comprehend all of the whole impact. Yeah, I always love it. Uh, we're kind of going long here, but <laughs> well, I I love that you've pushed back on me so many times, and <laughs> we don't disagree often. <laughs> That's true. Well, I don't know if we disagree. I think there's this there's something that you and I are right now. Um, pushing back and forth that is really good and healthy. And that's the part that like, I feel like most people probably disagree less than they think, but that you kind of have to like, you kind of have to push each other around a little bit, like iron sharpens iron. It's like, Mm -hmm. you need to have that, you know, it's almost not even about agreeing or disagreeing. It's about sort of like fine, fine, uh, fine toothing, fine Fine tuning, fine tuning, (laughs) Uh, fine-tuning what you understand and what you see. True. So I win. (laughs) (laughs) For now. For now. (laughs) I don't know. The the whiskey's getting a little, a little to my head. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's a bit difficult to track (laughs) some of these concepts because we usually don't get this deep in the weeds, Uh, Uh, but that's been fun. So let's wrap this up. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, Love you. Love everyone listening. Thank you so much. See you guys. This was the shore. This was the shore. This is the shores. (laughs) Get to the shores. (laughs) Uh, That's good. (laughs) 